Yeah, and like I don't know how you feel about it too, but sometimes being like freelancing, even like a lot of your current friends wouldn't really understand like what you do. I, I found that to be the hardest part with like my friends that are in nine to five. So they don't understand like the gig economy or like, or even like that freelancing in the creative field can be lucrative. I think I had some friends that were very, had a hard time grasping that. And I think that makes also makes it important to find people that are in your position so that they understand, like you have someone that understands your position to talk about stuff with yeah it's weird to some people that you can pull in their whole month's salary in one gig and then not have any work for three weeks and you're like how do i relate to any of these people because they're either like mad that i made so much money at once or just like have no concept of like the fact that you're not working for three weeks and or like not working for three weeks you're building portfolio or whatever else you're doing in that time and they're like complaining that they're going to work and that you're not. And it's like, it's just a totally different world. How do young men like us optimize our lives in a way that lets us achieve success and meaning? Come with me as I interview top performers and delve into key areas of life. Habits, finance, psychology, health, relationships, work, creativity, and business. I boil the ocean of men's advice into usable wisdom in this podcast to give you the answers. My name is Blake Bottrell, and this is The Distilled Podcast. All right, Francis, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So I wanted to sort of kind of get started here, and this will be a little less formal for anybody listening than a couple of the previous ones here, but um, we go back probably 2018, I guess, was when we sort of became yeah, yeah. friends. Yep. And when, when was the Alberta go... trip? Sorry about yeah. that. I cut you off there. Like, by no, 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 no. You're good. Yeah, 20... yeah. Alberta was 2020, right? Because yeah, we were yeah, worried we were about getting cut off yeah, from yeah, yeah. a crazy year. Yeah. But yeah, it was 2018 because that's when I got back from Thailand and then started getting into all yeah, the creator yeah. stuff here. So like, what's your... I, I remember my like foray into trying to find creative friends and yeah. it was hilarious that I remember DMing like hundreds of people on Instagram just asking to be friends or like shoot <laughs> what's your like what's your experience been with sort of finding the creative people that you've, uh, you've meshed in with now I mean like there's so many different type of people right like it just um, yeah. like some you mesh with some you won't it just uh kind of comes with the field um especially as you i think it becomes work i think you have to distinguish like who are your friends and who are your work friends and stuff like that yeah um but i think my process has never really been like uh like reach out to as many people as possible but i think it was more so like um i don't know i just did my stuff that what i enjoyed doing and people just kind of flocked towards that I think and then people loved um to create and just had that drive to create kind of wanted to work together and that's kind of like how I found my friends um yeah. and like friends of friends is like hey my friend does uh like uh, photography do you mind um do you, you guys should connect and stuff like that yeah yeah I don't I don't quite remember how we met uh, I don't have a recollection yeah. of that exact. I think 
I don't know. I could probably go back in my Instagram. Hey, I feel like it's if, too much uh, work. Part of that, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I I feel that it was definitely one of those things where, like I said, I had that shotgun approach at first, and then yeah. you realize you find a couple people that you really sort of gel with, and then uh, sort of stick with those and, yeah. and build together. And it, it's very similar to sort of the entrepreneurial world, world that I'm in now freelancing isn't a whole lot different in that like it's sort of a little bit lonely if you don't have the the people around you that are sort of doing the same thing so I feel like finding some of those people are like super critical especially early on finding people that you mesh with and being able to build stuff together is is really what keeps you going right yeah and like I don't know how you feel about it too but sometimes uh, being like freelancing, a lot of uh, even like a lot of your current friends wouldn't really understand like what you do. Yeah. Um. I I found that to be the hardest part with like my friends that are in nine to five. Um. So they don't understand like the gig economy or like uh, or even like that freelancing in the creative field can be lucrative. Yeah. I think. Um, I think I had some friends that were very uh, had a hard time grasping that, um, and I think that makes also makes it important to find people that are in your position so that they understand that you have someone that understands your position to talk about stuff with. Yeah, it's weird to some people that you can pull in their whole month's salary in one gig yeah. and then not have any work for three weeks. Yeah, it's and you're like, how do I relate to any of these people? Because they're either like mad that I made so much money at once or um, just like have no concept of yeah. like the fact that you're not working for three weeks and, or like not working for three weeks, you're building portfolio or whatever else yeah, you're yeah, doing yeah. in that time. And they're like complaining that they're going to work and that you're not. And it's like, yeah, it's yeah. just a totally different world. Yeah. I, I think, I, mean, I think the grand scheme of things, I, I do a lot more work than most nine to fives. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to find a balance. (laughs) That's the life of, of any freelancer or entrepreneur anyways, right? You, you're like, I'm going to freelance so that I don't have to work as much. And then you're like, no, actually I'm just working all the time. Every single day, (laughs) every single hour dead inside, but keep pushing. So I don't know how much you want to get into or can get into exactly what you're working on now, but, um, I know we talked a little bit the last few weeks about a couple of fun things that you've been working on you we talked briefly just before we started here about uh just sort of finding your niche and and moving from you sort of started with i guess i shouldn't say that i know that you started with sort of like models and weddings and and sort of people's general um foray into photography and videography and that sort of stuff and then have now realized you enjoy the work much more on the agency side and mentioned a little bit about sports and so where has that progression and can you give me like a little bit of insight on um how you feel the niche finding has been going and and why it's important to sort of like experiment with things all the way through well i think niche finding is one of those things that that always evolves uh as you get improved in what you do and as you experience different uh type of work right um, yeah. like, like you said, I started off doing weddings because, uh, at the time that was probably the most lucrative and probably easiest entry. Um, I hope the wedding photographers don't see this and just murder me, but it, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, 
it, it it is I think was the uh, for me anyway it was the easiest entry and easiest um, way for me to dip my toes into um, marketing myself and uh, making sure it's profitable and stuff like that and being able to survive and pay my bills and so on. I still take on weddings. Yeah. Um, I'm like I am more selective about them now than I was yep. like a couple of years ago where I was like full on wedding and shooting like 30, 35. Um, now I try to limit myself at 10 or 15 because, um, last year I, I would have had an opportunity to shoot like, um, like a project that I would have dreamt of shooting, like as a, I wouldn't have been a cam op, but I would have been worked, worked on set, would have had an IMDB credit and stuff like that, which is kind of, yeah. which would have helped my career along. Um, but because I had taken on so many weddings, like it wasn't, it wasn't a job that I could take. Yeah. Um. So that's when I learned that, like, if I take on too many, then there's too much opportunity cost for me to be uh, not be able to push into things that I actually want to do in the long term. Yeah. Um. Having said that, I think I don't think there's any shame of doing weddings. Um. I I think some people do like genuinely love them, enjoy them, and that's all they want to do. Um. And like, for me. It's um, there are some that makes me feel like this was awesome, but in mo- in most cases to me like uh, they are all all kind of very similar. They're all the same to me. Um, yeah. it, they are very highly predictable. I think that comes with experience too. Is like you just know exactly what's gonna happen and uh, stuff. And so that's when I kind of dive into like how I try to find my niche. Um, I always loved sports and I was lucky enough that my um, a friend of mine who's also a DP that he started bringing me on to shoot with um, like Toronto Maple Leafs and stuff like that and I realized this is what I want to do um, and like that may evolve into something else as well but yeah I think my what I really wanted to do was having control of space and narrative of the thing that I'm shooting at that moment and so that's why I wanted to get into the commercial space um so so right now what I'm trying to do now is really finding out um how can I learn to become a better storyteller in terms of commercial narrative um if if that makes sense yeah Yeah. it's tough when you're doing weddings and the narrative is exactly the same yeah. over and over and over again. It's hard to get better at storytelling in unique ways. If you know the beginning, middle of end and end of every story. Yeah. So having somewhere where you can do the storytelling and, and shape what's happening yourself, I can understand the fulfillment factor there. Yeah. Is there a wedding story where you're like, Oh no, this isn't going to work out. <laughs> um, of course. I think everybody, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think I've had a wedding that didn't work out because I do like talk to them and make sure the vibe is right. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I mean, like I've seconded weddings where like there were the groom actually the groom was the trouble of that wedding. Um, oh. Yeah, I was seconding for a friend of mine, and he literally went up to her and said, "My shoes are worth more than these photos." Like, hurry this up <laughs> i mean at that point i would have left but it wasn't my wedding so i mean we oh, powered boy. through but um 
there's stuff like that. Like, um, not everybody appreciates what you do. I think that's why it's so important to have that first meeting. It's not yeah. all about like how much they're willing to pay you. It's about like if you guys vibe. Um, yeah. I think do that's what people what's align with my values. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. you'll the, there's a lady right now actually that's inquiring um <laughs> for her wedding and she literally asked everybody and we are all talking about it right now um in the behind the scenes cabal yeah, of yeah. hamilton wedding <laughs> photographers she's from she's not even from hamilton she's from like toronto slash like florida and um <laughs> yeah like uh, my friend goes like yo i might have uh i might have a wedding for you i'm going like oh i think i might know who it is <laughs> And then it was that lady, and then I asked my other friends, and they, yeah, they, she's inquired with every single one of us, so it, we are all going yeah. like, yeah, I don't know if you want to take this. Um, <laughs> and like she, like it's okay to have like a. So what I ended up telling her was because like one of the thing that she asked me was, can you do <clears throat> like do it like this? And I said, no, you should just go hire that person that would do something like this. Um, yeah, yeah, and the. No, yeah, like, uh, this isn't my vibe. Like, uh, I know that, so they basically sent me, she sent me, uh, um, a work of someone that would charge like 15 K a wedding and yeah. then expected to pay like one third or maybe less. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I know who that is. So I'm going like, well, that's a friend of mine. You should go ask. And it's like, oh, we actually already inquired. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, there's a know. reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, um, I'm still trying to find that exact thing that I want to really stay and be really perfect at. Yeah. Um, but I think this year is that stepping year where I try to experience as much as possible in terms of like uh, discovering that niche that I want to stay in. Do you see yourself more in like a DP role or like, a? it's looking like direction right now. Uh, okay. rather than That's DP. Fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like I have a knack for planning shoots, storytelling and yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think I'm the best shooter. Um, I actually have other friends that are actually more, more suited for that job. So I actually, usually what I do it would be, uh, hiring out people that can accomplish, uh, what I'm looking for. Having said that, like I'm still, yeah. I think I'm pretty decent cam op. It's just like, uh, if I can focus on getting that uh, storytelling and yeah, having someone else, skills be best. Used. Yeah, exactly. And I think as you get, you grow, you have to kind of um, have a really distinct role. You can't do everything on your own. Um, no, of course. And I think that's where a lot of freelancers burn out is uh, because I think. In the lower end, um, the clients don't want to pay, obviously. Um, yeah. And what what happens is you end up putting so much on yourself, you don't have time to really tell a proper story. Um, I mean, some stories are just naturally interesting, so like, yeah, you can do it, but it that just isn't the case for every job. Yeah, of course. I think the storytelling has always been sort of my favorite part too like the 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 shooting and the camera operation is fun but then really going back and getting to do the edit not that you'll be editing necessarily as a director but 
getting to form that story in the edit and create things and like that always came through in your video stuff as well so yeah. i think that's yeah getting to sort of express that and build on that is, yeah, is yeah. definitely uh exciting you can tell my table came up because my camera is tilted like for, like uh for 35 <laughs> degrees right now it's not perfectly level <laughs> fix it in post post. (laughs) that's that's the life yeah so like getting getting away from sort of the uh the wedding life into the agency life is there a, a world where um you're excited to be any sort of entrepreneur with this or are you more leaning towards working in an agency setting and working with um some established people or i wouldn't say like i'm fully uh diving into like just agencies like agencies are one facet of um like different people that i want to work with yeah um because uh like agencies do produce bigger uh, uh budget like commercials and stuff like that so i've yeah. I've always been called in to work on those. So that's kind of like why I said, um, yeah, I, I do some agency work. But I think overall goal for me right now is to have a consistent team to yeah. produce with. Is kind of like uh, my my goal at the moment. And like it's some work in progress and finding the right yeah. people for it and um, people that you vibe with and people you can work with without like wanting to kill each other, I think is kind of the hardest yeah. part, but yeah, it's getting there. Tough in a group of creatives where everybody's got a little bit of their own idea of how exactly. this should be done and that should be done. Yeah. And, and that's okay. I think everyone should have an input, but it's, yeah. I think the problem becomes, uh, if one person isn't, is, has too much ego and doesn't want to listen. So I think that's why, uh, one that's why before every shoot, it's important to set a designator role because yeah. uh, you, you do need that hierarchy. Uh, you do need that one person that leads it and have taken uh, all those con- um, like uh, suggestions into uh, consideration, and, but you need to have a direction. Someone's got to be the top of the filter exactly. and yeah. make the final decision. It yeah. can't be like a matrix or a web of we're doing this and we're doing that because yeah, then yeah. you the story doesn't get told right no, and, no, and everybody comes out of things unhappy. So yeah, yeah I vibe with that for sure. The sort of like we touched on it a little bit, but I don't think people quite realize how or like I guess on social media it gets sold a lot that like freelancing or like entrepreneurship is this like glamorous lifestyle of like being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. When in the reality is that we mentioned that it's like you really just work all the time and people think they're going to be able to do this on a random Tuesday and like just take a week off. And like, that's just never the case. Can you like speak a little bit to your experience of like, cause you've been freelancing this whole time. You never really, um, past three years took it upon you. Yeah. 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 Took it Um, upon yourself. Well, I, I definitely don't think it's glamorous. Like I, I had this argument with a buddy of mine who's, uh, he's an, he's an art director. He works uh, nine to five at a, like a pretty big agency. Um, has a steady paycheck coming in, and basically our argument was that uh, being a freelancer is a life of anxiety. Yeah. Um, where, like, there there will be months where you you go on without doing any job, 
and you go like okay like what is happening like so i think like first half of this year it wasn't just me it was like majority of free like freelancers in hamilton and like some in toronto as well uh because all the projects were getting shut down um companies weren't liquid so basically um all these uh so basically like all all of us were going like yo like are you like what are you doing like are you getting are you still getting calls for jobs like like what's going on like i haven't had any inquiries in like three months and all that stuff um and but he felt like oh but you get to control your own hours uh you get paid more you get paid your worth and stuff like that but it, it doesn't really work like that, like, uh, because more times than not, you won't be paid your worth, especially on the lower end. Um, and even in the mid range, I think uh, you get lowballed all the time. So it's just like, uh, so we had that argument is like, I, I just don't think you understand that, um, like freelancing isn't easy. Like, it, it's been like a long time that you freelanced. Like, I don't think you understand, like, how even, like, you have to deal with market saturation, you have to mark, and then you have to deal with uh, clients telling you, this is what I'm expecting, like, and they don't, they have a clear, unrealistic expectation for what they pay. Um, I had a, I had a job, actually, recently that uh, I did work, I, I did some work for Fortinos, uh, and the agency that I worked through uh, wanted me to shoot a full um, commercial for Fortinos for two thousand dollars and i just said that's not doable <laughs> um, you mean this commercial that they're going to spend like several hundred thousand dollars yeah. to put on air you want me to shoot for two grand two grand and i, I, I said no this is not how it works i can't produce like a full youtube pre-roll for two thousand dollars while like if you look at like sobeys and their budget will be at, like 500 a million dollars and i'm just going like what do you yeah. want to do with two thousand dollars it's the meme of like like fifty dollar client. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I need this and this and this and this and and that, and it needs to be done by this time and whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like fifty thousand dollar client. It's like okay, where am I wiring this money to? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's it was it was rough, man. Like and then obviously like uh it that was it. Like I didn't work with them anymore, and they've since yeah. gone defunct that agency. I can't uh, imagine why. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Like they've um. They undercut every other agency to get that job, and then they didn't realize how much things cost and how much things <laughs> like how things worked. And they, yeah, and I'm glad that only worked maybe once or twice with them, and then that was it. It's just like, yeah, that was tough. The guy, the the accounts guy was pretty good. Like he was a good guy, and yeah. he understood that the position that I was in. But yeah. and it was really funny because they they went to a buddy of mine to uh, get a quote, and my buddy also <laughs> said it's like yeah no that's gonna cost at least twenty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just like a freelancing is uh, you you have to take on a lot to yourself like you have to be able to do your admin you have to be your own accountant. Um, you have and, to be your own marketer. Yeah, you have to do everything, and you have to go. You you have to un unless you're represented. Like I think on a higher end, like a lot of DPs and all these creatives get represented, and when once you're represented, like things kind of just work out for you. Um, but getting there is the hardest part. Is uh, getting a representation from like an like a like a representation agency. 
Yeah. But once it's same with like YouTubers and stuff like that. Like YouTubers have a really hard life until they are represented and then they get that sponsorship money. Uh, I actually just shot a YouTuber's wedding and uh, I'm pretty sure he made money off his wedding. Everything <laughs> was sponsorship, sponsorship, sponsorship. <laughs> Sponsored by Hanneken. Sponsored oh, by classic. Henry Rosen. <laughs> it's crazy. Get to a point in your life where you can just literally make money for doing the things that you have to do. Yeah, anyways. yeah. That's yeah. where the goal is. Yeah. They had a great oh, time. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Getting into like the like anxiety angle a little bit there. I know it's like been beaten to death with a giant wooden stick at this point, but it just feels like so much of this, especially going back to like points on the gig economy and like everything is just like where breaking down to like scratch and claw for a paycheck and nobody has money anymore and everything's been inflated to hell. Like talk to me a little bit about like the mindset of, of that, not necessarily financial struggle because I don't know that you're ever really been scraping, scraping by, but like talk to me about the mindset of not having that confirmed paycheck and, and how that sort of plays on the mental a little bit. Um, luckily I'm, I'm pretty decent at budgeting. Like I'm like, I come from more uh, accounting background. Um, so I, um, I was able to save a lot um, and like bracing for winter and stuff like that, especially for this year. Um, and plus like investments and stuff like that. Um, but I feel a lot of photographers and freelancers aren't in that. So they go out to eat a lot. They go out to do like whatever. And, um, they end up putting themselves in a bad spot where they go like, Oh shit, where did all my money go? I don't have any jobs coming in because like in winter, like it, depending on your industry and the job does stop coming. Um, so it's just like, um, and like I hear, like this is the same for me um, because I get anxious even if I do have like financial stability, if I don't have anything coming in to replace what I'm spending, I do get extremely stressed and I go like, wait, what is happening? So that was the first half of this year. Yeah. Um, and so it's just like uh, learning to how to deal with that has been something that's of a learning process and I, I i don't know if i'll ever get over it personally but um i don't know how other creatives do it um because i i know for a fact like some people aren't as good at saving and stuff like that so yeah do you think the um sort of connections that you've made with some of your other creative friends are maybe uh a little bit deeper than some of not necessarily uh degrading the other sort of friendships that you have but is there like a level of of connection with some of the other creatives in your life where you're like okay this person understands me and like our friendship is deeper for that yeah for sure uh 100 i have some friends that understand me like what i'm going through in, in terms of uh my life or my work life and they understand it. Like, I'd say, like, a lot of strain came from my, like, university friends that um, that went into, like, a typical STEM, typical, like, um, yeah. 9 to 5 guys. Like, um, like they, I think I, I had a conversation about them with, uh, like, um, about paying taxes. Like, how, 
like a terrible of a time it is like just losing <laughs> when you've got to pay yeah. 20 grand in taxes yeah at, the end of the yeah, year? at least and it, it just it's not a good time and um they didn't understand it it's like oh we all pay taxes i go yeah but it's different when it doesn't come out monthly and then you just have to pay yeah. it in lump sum or through installments um and like generally people gen uh generally don't understand like uh, how hard it can be uh because on instagram you only see like how, how much fun i'm having you don't yeah. see the negative side of like um oh man like i'm stressed out i'm burnt out like this and this i i spent the whole day today like uh looking for where am i gonna like go to in uh this winter in november i might go to korea i don't know i haven't fully decided yet <laughs> um but it comes to a point where I'm like dreaming about, Oh, I should just like have a vacation somewhere. But like, I know that I'm not going to take it too because uh, there are my jobs that might come in at that time. So right now I'm trying to learn that boundary for myself. It's like, when do I take a break? Are you a uh, like travel for culture or travel for nature kind of person? Mm, both uh, a little bit of both, both. depending on where, um yeah. like iceland would be nature like uh, because yeah. it depends on how you define culture too right like yeah if it's just like food and stuff like that um culture for sure um but i i generally love mountains deserts like <laughs> unique uh you, you know this you know this like yeah. i i um i really loved my utah trip that i went recently um and yeah, like, um, I, I, and yeah, I would say like, it's a little bit of both, but depending on where I go, yeah. I think I've always been a like travel for nature kind of person yeah, yeah. and yeah. the culture is just like a, a side benefit of like yeah, yeah. meeting all these cool people or like yeah. seeing all these cool interactions of, of what's happening or eating good food or like you're yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. but like. The reason I go to places is always primarily for like, oh my God, this waterfall is huge yeah, or yeah, like yeah, yeah. we can climb up this mountain or yeah, yeah. like this water is so blue. Like it's just, I feel that. Yeah. I, I, I feel like there's so much, I feel like I've been going down this tangent for a while in the, la the last couple of months of just like one, people don't understand how small they are in the world. And like the immense amount of beauty that exists, even possibly like 45 minutes down the road from you that you've yeah, just yeah. never gone to see. Yeah. And then the idea that if people traveled to like Southeast Asia or like China or somewhere with a significantly lower GDP than where they live now, they would have an entirely different perspective on the life that they lived Yeah, because they just don't have anything to compare it to. And yeah, they yeah, end yeah. up in this situation where like they're literally making up problems to make their life harder because they don't have any challenges. And there's people yeah, yeah. in Africa living in mud huts and walking seven yeah, miles yeah. every day to get water. And that's where our Western importance comes from, right? Like uh, North American importance, West, West centrism. Is that what it's called? Oh, I, don't I don't know. know. That's a. I'll it's like have where to we think where we think we know the best. Yeah, the crusades the to bring democracy to the yes, entire sir. Middle East. Yeah. Oh my God. That's going well. We could go. We could go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, it's really not going well. They're gonna send another twenty-four billion dollars to Ukraine next week, I think. So, Francis's camera just died, but we're getting back into the idea that uh, I, I he mentioned that he was 
almost bought a, a camera for fun today that was like 10 grand. And uh, I was like, yeah, you get to charge for the camera rental too now, right? And then just people really don't understand the the what freelancing is. And, and you're not paying for the hours that the freelancer is on site. You're paying for the years of experience they have. And you're paying for all of the camera gear that they own. And like all of the hours spent editing this thing and people just look at the hourly rate that you're charging and they're like, this is why are you yeah, charging yeah, yeah. me so much money? And it, it's never that simple. If it's like a one hour shoot, I'd probably spend about four hours on it at least four or five hours. Are you uh, just for on the personal side of things? Do you think you enjoy photography or videography more? Depends on what like I'm shooting. Um, videography for sure. Um, yeah. I think there's more to tell. Um, for weddings, photos. <laughs> um, but for uh, for everything else, I think video is uh, there's a lot more story to tell, and then it's something that I I think there's more room to improve in uh, video. And I think yeah, there's only some there's only so much you can learn in photos, I think. But I think video uh, kind of opens up different um, way to tell stories. Um, and I think, uh, like for me, there's no. Like some people believe that there's a certain way that you should do certain things. I think, but I think, what I loved about the video is that, I mean, of course you can't be Cloverfield everywhere you go, but you have to do it to the feel of what you're shooting at that uh, at that moment. But it's um i think i i love that freedom to be able to do that in uh, video i've seen you shoot everything from the style of what i'll just call daniel schiffer all the way to wes anderson <laughs> daniel so schiffer there's... I, uh, man i got shot on so hard for that video back in the day <laughs> oh man people people hate it it's like oh you're, you're copying daniel schiffer i'm like yo someone else did this before daniel schiffer Listen, this is there is nothing new in the world no. here. Everybody, everybody steals like yep. an artist, and you take inspiration in bits and pieces from everybody. And if you like it and it resonates with you, that's yeah, what you everything's do. Everything's been like, done. You, yeah, yeah. I uh, what was I going through today when I was exploring that idea? It popped into my head for some reason. That same concept popped into my head earlier today when I was I don't know if I was writing something or just something for work, but it's nothing there are no new original ideas and as long you're just changing the packaging yeah 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 so as as long as you can convey why your packaging is the best or at least deserves some spotlight like you're going to be fine i i think there's a quote if you're like scared to copy then you you create nothing and <laughs> i actually um i actually felt this with a friend of mine she like uh, she's a um like she's a creator slash like an influencer, um, and she had this like idea. There's a there's a guy in Toronto doing it, and like she was like, oh, I'm thinking about doing, it, but I don't want to do exact copy. But I said, you're not really copying. You're just doing it in a different way here. Like so, you're in a different environment. You it's not a copy. You should just do it. Um, eventually, someone else did it, so she got discouraged. It's like, oh, now like someone else did it. It's too late. I'm going to, well, it's not too late. You can still do it. Um, but to her, it's, there's no deadlines. No, no, <laughs> it's, it's a creative space. No one cares in the long run. No one, 
I I literally think no one cares. If someone gets mad, someone gets mad. Who cares? Yeah, the like, and the timeline of how long a post lasts on social media now is so minuscule yeah. in the grand scheme of anything. Yeah. It's like people I literally wrote the newsletter about this this week. It's called the Lindy effect. And the concept is that um, the length of time that something has existed is directly proportional to the amount of time that it will continue to exist into the future. Mm -hmm. So it's like if a book has been in print for 40 years, you can be relatively assured that it's going to be in print for another 40 years. But the amount of things that we consume now uh, are just like so perpetually now on like social media of like, this was created in the last 24 hours and you will not remember it three seconds after you scroll past it. So it's like, make whatever you want, make the stuff that makes you happy. And then like, that's exactly people might remember it or three seconds later, like ultimately I, fuck, I, I go back and forth on the whole Instagram deleting likes thing in a way there was definitely some good to it in that like it just probably made people create a little bit more of what they wanted yeah yeah but i don't know it's so hard man that balance of like audience capture and making the stuff you want to and and it's a tough conversation yeah i just learned to just kind of i don't really care i i I love making this and i'm just gonna post it um because like with reels it's always tough because um if you don't hit the algorithm like it just doesn't get traction right uh, like no matter how beautiful something that you made might be at the end of the day, if it doesn't hit that algorithm, like, it's not going to go anywhere. So you just kind of have to accept like it's not about the likes. It's about the process that you've enjoyed. Um, but I think that our modern world doesn't really allow for that um, because we live in a constant uh, need for endorphin rushes and um, instant gratifications. Um, and I think that's why people have such a hard time. And I think this goes in like with life too. And after just for self-employed people is that they think everything is quick. They think everything has to be done right away. Um, I think, I think social media has, uh, like ruined people. I, I, I'm I'm glad I didn't get uh, grew up nowadays. Like you know, like if I went to high school nowadays, I I would have been just stressed out, living in anxiety all the time. Yeah, I, I understand why people are in that world now. And yeah, people are like, why has the aggressive spike in uh, young female anxiety skyrocketed since 2008 when yeah. the first iPhone was released and Facebook was re- like, just it's just. Yeah, people don't want to have these conversations, and they'd rather live in their bubble and yep, keep scrolling. Yeah. And but well, it's, it's going to come to right? a head somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's inconvenient. It's um, it's same thing with like all the political talks now too. Is everything is inconvenient when you actually want yeah. to take accountability for it? Yeah, it's and I've had this like I've asked this of a couple other people, but it's one of those things where it's like, how do we just start having the conversations again? Because people are so even scared to just have the necessary conversations to like get back to what does having a civil discourse actually look like everybody's so and this is greatly in large part to the effect of social media of fully encamped people yeah. in their own separate world uh fuck i forget it was are we allowed to swear here some podcasts i've been, I've been yeah, holding yeah, yeah, back yeah. do it <laughs> do whatever the fuck you want man. i don't care um but yeah there was uh 
something on Modern Wisdom last week or the week before to the effect of what the actual name of the concept is called of just entrenchment in their own. I'll remember it yeah, yeah. three hours after we're done recording and I'll text you. But, but uh, yeah, it's fully sort of bubbled people and to no fault of their own. They're sort of living in this world that's detached from a reality. Yeah. Yeah. It, it goes back to our conversation, uh, like, um, Western centrism too, right? It's like when you live yeah. this privilege, you don't understand that uh, some other parts of the world, they have it tough. So you're not able to relate with it. So you just kind of look at our way is the best. And if you don't follow our way, you're, you're wrong. And yeah. we're going to shit on you. It's just kind of like, uh, that's been, I feel like that's been the mindset of modern world and, which, if it works for people, it works for people. I just don't have time to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. It's, again, it's one of those things where select your friends so that you can have these conversations. Exactly. And yeah. Continue to, to care about the things that you need to care about. And yeah. uh, if if people want to go off and complain in their own little bubble, then they can do that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Whatever makes you happy mm-hmm. or unhappy grossly unhappy usually but yeah i mean you'd have to be at that point if you're mad at everything like that's not a life to live and i think uh part of that too is starting to make and this is obvious given half of the conversation that we've been having but i think it's making friendships harder too and we talked about this like a month ago of like it's really hard to like feel like you're you stay connected and that's why i'm glad that we kind of reconnected probably a month ago after what had been a few years and like i know guys are especially terrible at this of like just reach out and say hi to the people that you were yeah, slash yeah. are friends with yeah. because everybody else is waiting for everybody else to go first and <laughs> someone just wants you to say yeah, yeah. hey let's grab a beer or let's go for coffee yeah, yeah. or whatever it is but like guys are notoriously awful for like oh yeah i'll see him when i see him and then we'll catch up at that yeah, point yeah. but it's like no in a world where everybody's like online all the time and just expecting to live life through that, yeah. it, it's good to like reconnect in person and yeah. have those conversations. It's, it's also tough as we get older because we have less energy and stuff like that too. That's another big thing. <laughs> it's like, I, yeah, I have the energy to love my dog yeah, and, and uh, walk for 20 minutes. Yeah, and then you're done. <laughs> you're like, I don't have time for anything else right now. Francis is too busy buried in his edits oh god you should see my backlog right now i want to die yeah i'm looking at the premiere pro timeline on your screen right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah funny story i don't even have premiere pro anymore no are you a da vinci guy i'm all da vinci now Ooh, really getting into it yeah it's way better did you uh make the switch when sam colder made his big stand nope, it like was before two years ago it was before <laughs> uh, i guess it was after but I, I i don't really watch sam colder as much um but it, like I, I probably made the move like a couple months ago when like adobe raised their prices again and go like yeah yeah i can't afford this it's like thousand dollars a year <laughs> like no this is crazy i already have the venture wow. resolve because i have a black magic so yeah. I'm going like, why don't I just use DaVinci Resolve and like, I'll, I'll actually make an effort to learn this. And once I learned yeah. it, it was just way better. Yeah. I have yet to meet a single person who mentions DaVinci Resolve as not being the best video yeah, editing yeah, software. Yeah. If you actually take the time to learn yeah. how to do it. Yeah. But you, the problem time. is the learning curve yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but once you get it. Every, yeah. Yeah. 
every other editing software you can hop in and be like semi-competent yeah, in yeah. like a weekend yeah davinci resolve you're at it for like a month yeah, before yeah. anything looks like it even came out of a camera yeah, okay yeah, yeah. honestly it's the timeline <laughs> that's the hardest it's a timeline like uh, trying to figure out like how to do timeline i think is uh where people uh, lose themselves a lot and then eventually um like i think once you learn the node system it just makes sense it's you get way more control over cut your colors and it just it just levels up your work uh, yeah. yeah it's night in the end plus it's like you pay once and you're done like you, you, you it's not a subscription yeah. service it's just way better you mean we can do things that aren't subscription services yeah man i this just 2023, uh... i know it's rare <laughs> everything's subscription I, now yeah i just paid for Baldur's gate the other day oh, nice. so we're gonna hop into that the mac port hasn't come out yet oh, okay. so i jumped into the like I bought it. I'm going to play it, but the Mac port doesn't come out for like another month. Okay. So I just like hopped in to like try to learn the like basic control scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's going to be something else. I heard it's excited. amazing. If you, if you find yourself any downtime, I would uh, you, recommend picking are it you, up. Are you a big D&D guy? Uh, not like, not in that I continuously have a group that I play yeah, with, yeah, yeah. but every single time I try to set something up to play i'm uh, it's always one of my favorites yeah 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 things to do like yeah i i wish it was something that i had carried through for years and if i ever find myself in the opportunity to put myself into a regular sunday play group or something yeah, like yeah. that i'd be down you your partner it's... to it <laughs> that might be that might be a stretch <laughs> we'll see oh man yeah i had a i had a i had a, I had a rogue level five rogue in, in my last campaign yeah. His name was uh, Sextus Maximus, and he, he he was known for just that like sounds like a rogue name. Yeah, he just went in and stabbed <laughs> people. That was that was his thing. <laughs> Murder hobos. <laughs> sneak attack, sneak attack. Oh yeah. man, are you one of those dirty min maxers? Um, I I don't think so. No, no, <laughs> no. I, but, but I am, uh, I was, I, I had some good quotes. Um, like actually I, I still have some here, but like, um, there you go. like in our group, but we saved them, uh, save like what we say and stuff like that. If you have like a memorable quote and, but Sextus yeah. has like the best quotes out of everyone. So. <laughs> I think that was another problem in my play group was that half of the group was entirely dirty min maxers yeah, and then yeah. the other half wanted to just play for the vibes oh. so everything was just like yeah 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 I feel really that. I feel allegory that. for life of yeah yeah of nobody's on the same page but <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah i think uh i think in, in the game we were in a we were in a tavern and said uh and I think they said someone's name, like the the barmaids, and I just said like, that sounds like a milf name. <laughs> <laughs> and then like I proceeded to like try to woo the um, barmaid. It was a good time. It was a good time. I really enjoyed that's, it. That's that's half yeah. of what D and D is. <laughs> so I do I do want to get into uh, Baldur's Gate. I want to I want to I want to try to pick it up or maybe pirate it. I don't know. <laughs> it depends on how I feel. Yeah. It's uh, 
No microtransactions. So, oh, in case anybody's wondering how we got onto this conversation, we were talking about everything is a subscription model, and uh, video games now are notorious for being subscription model oh, and or God, filled yeah. with microtransactions. And Baldur's Gate is one of the only games in recent memory that is launching as a full game with no additional price to pay or in game transactions or anything like that. So, do not support Blizzard, do not give them any money. <laughs> The there's a handful of reasons to not support Blizzard, but yeah, that's, that's probably one of them. Yeah. What's uh What's one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Um, so this week I'm spending the entire week working on this um, like a treatment for. Uh, I think I told you about this. It's like a, it's a training facility uh, for hockey players um, that caters to like OHL, NHL, and other professional league uh, players. So right now I'm doing a treatment on like uh, like how the shoot's gonna go. Um, I'm it's probably one of my first bigger budget shoots that I pitched and got. Um, nice. That um, I'm in the process of like doing hiring and stuff like that for at the moment. Um, and yeah, like I think that's probably my favorite project that I'm currently working on. I also have a couple weddings that are coming up that. Yeah, I guess I'm excited for, but not as much. Um, like yeah. uh, one of the weddings I'm working on, they, 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 they went ham on food, so I'm pretty excited for that. <laughs> What's um, the? Do you have sort of a, a story in mind for um, this sort of shoot you're working on with the athletes, or is it just a sort of generalized shoot and you'll work things out? No, no. Later? So I, everything's gonna be planned. So. Uh, the idea for me is so they they have like physiotherapy center and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, ice bath and all that stuff. Like those are good for B rolls, but I really want it to be like a coherent commercial. Um. So basically, we have a female uh athlete, we have a male athlete, and I want to tell a story around them. Um, nice. without getting too deep into it because I'm not fully done like formulating like the script yeah. and all that stuff. Um, basically, uh, they're going to tell a story of them like waking up in the morning and um, kind of like driving towards like the, their own pursuit of their own careers into that. That's what makes it sound really boring, but basically, the idea <laughs> is um. Like I, I want to tell a story behind these two athletes. Of um, they, they are of like different. They have different lives, but they kind of intersect into one, into like yeah. the, this community of um, like a hockey athletic center. Is kind of yeah. like what I, what I, what I'm trying to tell. I think people get lost in the amount of storytelling that exists in sports, or like yeah. take it for granted a lot of the times. Of and especially because so much of it. Um, sometimes comes from like the broadcast announcers and how much people resonate with them and being able to tell that narrative of this is this player's progression or like this is where they came from and this is how it ended up and this is what's happened along the way and i think through the years um sportsnet or cbc or whoever just going off of hockey because that's what's in my brain because that's what yeah, <laughs> I yeah, care yeah, about yeah. as a of sport. Course, yeah. They've been better at telling some of the stories behind the athletes and it's really cool to get to see some of that behind the scenes stuff or you mentioned stuff about the Leafs and all of their like 
the blueprint stuff that they do behind the scenes on YouTube now, like I watch every single one of those and it's like the most fascinating shit ever mm-hmm. of like, there was one last year where they spent the entire episode and we just learned about, I think it was, uh, either the like dietitian or, um, like whoever was in charge of, of like m- not meal operations, but like, uh, nutrition and yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that sort of stuff and learning those stories behind the people that you see and who you idolize I think being one of those people as you're trying to be that gets to tell those stories is just absolutely fascinating mm-hmm. I agree and that's kind of like what I want to tackle into in this project because I, what I have to tell is that like um there's a different facet to it so basically they want content obviously for their short form and yeah. I'm also delivering the long form would be like the more commercial look. And that's the, where we're doing yeah. a queer and story. And the short form would be more like a blue, blueprint format, more yeah. doc kind of feel documentary POV almost um, is kind of like what I'm envisioning for it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that script like uh, this week, um, probably be done like next two days. I'm almost done, actually. And then send it off to client and they're going to approve it. And then, yeah. That's the plan anyway. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited to uh, see what comes out of it. Yeah, yeah. I'll send I... it to you before I post and stuff like <laughs> the official. Get the, get the sneak peek. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. in the uh, cabal of Hamilton Creatives uh, am I. Telegram yeah. group or Instagram DM group or whatever. But uh, There's no such yeah. thing, my guy, because um, <laughs> one, going back to like the whole community thing too is like um, um, it's, uh, it, it can be quite toxic. It's like not everyone has your best interest in heart. Uh, not everyone has like the. Um, not everyone's good people. Like we we talked about it yeah. before. So like uh, I I know you talk about there's Hamilton cabal or whatever. And I I think like when I was starting out like I wanted to be part of that and stuff like that. But as I grew, it limits you because you just stop growing. And you just end up having like. Um, and people in there have like a little too much ego and you just uh, don't, they, they never grow out of that either. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just like, uh, so I've never been part of that. I don't think, but I do People start, sorry, go ahead. People, people start with the best intentions and then yeah. all of a sudden one person gets too popular to deal with the That's rest true. of everybody. Yeah. And... Yeah. Yeah. It's not even just that. Like, people starting out, I think not everybody has, like, best intentions to begin with. Um, and it, and that's kind of, like, what you have to, like, uh, kind of filter out as you go. But it's just, it, even then, it's still tough. Like, I, um, I, I like to think that I'm very careful about who I interact with. Um, having said that, I give everybody like a chance. Like if someone asks, like, uh, "Hey, like, can you give me an advice? Can you do you mind meeting up?" Like, I I don't typically charge like I know some people do. I don't charge like a mentorship rate or whatever it's called. And yeah. Meet up to talk shop or whatever. Like I I like meeting yeah. people, so I I just do it no matter yeah. what. But like, uh, I'd say I'm extremely careful of who I bring in to work with me and stuff like that. And I I find that a lot of people reach out just for that instead of rather trying to be friends or whatever it's like what can i sort of extract yeah, or take yeah, from you yeah. a lot of things just become transactional and yeah i'm the same way you are in that i i do my best not that i get reached out to a lot about a bunch of different things but it's part of the reason why i started sort of this project is 
to be a little bit more on the mentor side of things, having talked with a handful of people in my life and, and their experience on the mentor side versus the mentee side. And, and I feel like there's just always something that you can learn from anybody. Yeah, I agree. Whether they're above you, below you, beside you, got 100,000 YouTube subscribers, no YouTube subscribe, like whatever it is that the yeah, metric yeah. that you're comparing by, like if you're saying no to things outside of literally not having the time because you're so busy doing other things, like I can't imagine a world where I would say no to an interaction with somebody yeah. on the basis of the fact that I don't think I could learn anything from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, friendships are tough. As you get older, I think, especially for men, like you, you said before, like, um, like it, it becomes really tough for us, I think. And I assume it's the same for women as well. Like, it's just everybody. I think as we get older, we become more weary of people. Um, and I'm trying to be better in, in terms of that. I'm trying to be more optimistic that people are, are good, generally. And yeah, but that's kind of been my approach recently. I'm on I'm on, I'm on team everybody is good until proven otherwise. Yeah. It's good for you, bit man. Me in the butt. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's bit me in the butt a couple of times, yeah, but yeah. I'd rather uh be on that side than the nihilistic just doomer of everything. Yeah, yeah. Right, so I agree. <sighs> man, we've been going for an hour. This is yeah, uh... this is going well. <laughs> I mean, I, I I like to think you um you're a really good conversationalist. Like you always have like a topic to talk about. Like I've always felt that way. Whenever we had chats, even when we were in Alberta, we would have a political chat, but we never like we would have disagreements, but we'd never like lashed out, you know. Um, and I think that's what's important yeah, of now course. is that like um, people have different opinions and it's OK to have different opinions. Um, and I think we have to foster that. I think it got really bad for a while, but I think slowly I think people are coming back and pendulum wise. I think majority yeah. of people are pretty moderate, if anything. And yeah. I think people want that comfort back, being able to yeah. um, connect and talk to people. Yeah. There's some people that don't, but no. those people, like we've already talked about, are pretty miserable in yeah. their own little way. But yeah, we talked about this the last time we got together, too, is yeah. like the pendulum's coming back the other way. And, yeah, yeah. and I think people are starting to realize they're in the non-vocal majority and that they can actually say what they want to again. And, yeah. and, uh, they're not going to get totally chastised out of every single thing they're a part of. Cause yeah, there yeah. was a while there where it was looking kind of dicey, but, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, I think we're back to that. And I think, um, one of the, uh, Republican primary political candidates said something the other day that I kind of resonated with. And it's like the idea that, um, the, health of of any society is predicated on people's ability to say what they want out loud as they would in private yeah and it's i think we're getting back there which is yeah pretty healthy yeah i mean some people are going to still going to reject it but yeah. i i think what these people don't understand is like just because you shut people up it doesn't mean they don't think a certain way it actually has a negative effect i think in a lot of ways yeah. because you just bottle it up and you just shut down the conversation before you can come to some sort of a compromise and agreement. Definitely. Yeah. Man, this has been fun. Yeah. Should we, uh, up to you, call man. it there and, it's uh, up to you. 
We'll have to. Uh, I'll definitely have you back on at some point. I'm yeah. trying to keep these two in and around an hour. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I. Not to say that I don't love the Joe Rogans and Lex Friedmans of the world. I think we had this conversation we when did. we were. Yeah, yeah. What, like, I'm trying to keep it to around an hour because that seems to be the reasonable consumption length for yeah, people yeah. versus the uh, three hour feature length movie that is a Joe Rogan podcast. Of course, but, uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah. not Post Malone, so it's not. I, yeah. <laughs> that was a great one. You don't. I, I love You don't want to talk about uh, trying to get Joe Rogan to play Magic the Gathering? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> It's like poker and yeah. chess, but there's like 50,000 chess pieces. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, thanks All for right, having man, me. Good. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. This Always has been a ton of fun, and I sort of – I'm – enjoying this there's room for for structured conversation as well for sure but i enjoy this like riffing back and forth and having yeah, a conversation sure. yeah sure. i don't know that uh i ever shared with you but at one point i literally just wanted to start a podcast like three or four years ago that literally was just called conversations with my friends you did I actually i remember gonna, that yeah yeah i was literally just gonna set up a camera and like record me yeah, having yeah, conversations yeah, yeah. with my friends and yeah. see where it goes but this is uh, a fun fun uh sort of not culmination because it's not going to end here but yeah, yeah, fun yeah. uh like this is where the roadmap has gone maybe yeah, that's yeah. what we'll call this episode conversations with my friends <laughs> <laughs> well i loved it man but it's good yeah awesome francis thank you for joining me and uh I'll, i will see you soon we'll be in touch and i uh, sure. have to have you back on at some point well, let's soon. go for coffee sometimes absolutely all right later dude